Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello, Maximizers. This is Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here with podcast number 327 as we talk about persuasion, passion, and presence. Things you need to know to be more influential in your life because everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion, motivation, and influence, and even self-persuasion. Things we should have learned in school, but we're learning now because there's a direct correlation between your ability to persuade and influence and your income. Have you ever met anybody that didn't seem that sharp, but they were making 10 times more money than you were making? Uh, Persuasion and influence. In fact, Napoleon Hill, you better know that name. He wrote Think and Grow Rich. One of the books you need to be reading about self-persuasion, interviewed millionaires, find out what they had in common. Most of it was mindset. And of course, he said persuasion's the magic ingredient. That's what makes the biggest difference. And most CEOs have a sales and marketing background. We all know this is important. That's why we're here. Let's jump into it. Had a great week. Was north of Los Angeles this week in Bakersfield. Did a seminar, did a training on resistance. Because everyone wants to influence and influence without authority. The reality is you have to understand the world of resistance. Because things you are doing, things you are saying cause resistance. And that resistance hurts your ability to influence. If you want to be influential, you have to understand resistance and why people say no and what you're doing that's causing that resistance. It could come from them and their world and their mindset, but it also could come from you. But you need to understand those kind of as a post-persuasion checklist that if you get a lot of resistance, go back and figure out, all right, what's going on here? Is it me? Is it them? Is it a combination? Be open here because it could be you. It probably is you. Let's jump in first with our geeky scholarly article of the week. And this one doesn't come from a journal like the other ones. And I'll put a link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com if you want to take a look at this. In fact, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com to subscribe to the webinar. There are links there to Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, or whatever podcast platform you use. But you also can take your Persuasion IQ assessment for free and get a bonus. Get the new edition of my best-selling book, Maximum Influence, and all the information you need is right there. In fact, you can find out more about Influence University and some of the free training available there and the advanced training. There's a plug. Let's move on. Let's talk about this article. And this is crazy, but it goes back to those subconscious triggers. Now, around the world, we hear a lot about this coronavirus. And in the United States and around the world and in Mexico, there's a beer called Corona. Now, a new study found that people may be skeptical of the Corona beer because it shares part of its name with the virus making people sick around the world. That's crazy and makes no logical sense. But the survey revealed 38% of beer-drinking Americans would not buy Corona under any circumstances. And those are people that don't normally buy that beer. But those who do buy Corona on a regular basis, only 4% said they would stop drinking Corona. 14% said they wouldn't order it in a public situation. Now, 60% of beer-drinking Americans were confused whether Corona beer is related to the coronavirus. Yeah, we need to get some education out there, but that's crazy. Now, this is the third most popular beer in the United States. And even worse, 
there's been an uptick in searches for Corona beer virus. Now, of course, Corona, the beer, the manufacturer, says despite the misinformation, sales are strong. That's what any good PR department would say. I don't really know. Because the word Corona is Latin and Spanish for the word crown. Now, YouGov found that Corona beer buzz score was at 75 at the start of the year. But when the news about the coronavirus came out, it went down to 51. Again, this makes no logical sense. But there's that subconscious trigger, the word corona, coronavirus, corona beer. There's a subconscious trigger. Now, if logically I think it through, it's one of my favorite. It's not going to phase me. But people are searching corona beer virus online. Either they're not educated, they don't know where it's coming from. And then the public thing. Remember I said earlier that 14% said they wouldn't order it in a public venue. They would it in a private venue, but not in a public venue, just because of that association trigger, that feeling. Believe it or not, kind of crazy, kind of weird, kind of interesting all at once. It makes no logical sense, but that's how the brain works. Those subconscious triggers, those feelings, colors, smells, words, gestures, tone of voice, all matter in the world of persuasion, motivation, and influence. With that, let's get to our blinja. Now, for our new listeners, you get to decide if this is a ninja, a persuasion ninja, or a persuasion mistake, a blunder. So I'm with my family at this Brazilian restaurant. I highly recommend those if you go to Brazil or even different countries around the world. They have these churrasqueiros, which they just come and they just cut meat off on your plate as much as you want. You have a real red light, green light thing. And they just keep coming and keep coming. And it just, you fill up. It's awesome. It's great. We love to eat. But at this particular place we went to celebrate a birthday, I noticed that the service was really slow and the portions were a lot smaller. And I was getting a little tense because it was taking a little too long. And usually it piles up. You can't keep up. This time you had to wait between servings. And I noticed one of the waiters had been in one of my college courses before. I talked to him. I said, what's going on? And they had been trained to slow it down, have smaller portions. Why? People eat less. Now, I'm upset. I don't know if I'm going back. The service is slow, but I did eat less. And it probably saved them some money. So is this a blunder or is this a ninja? Now, we know with chicken wings, for example, that if you leave all the bones on the table, they can see how much they've eaten, that they will not eat as much. But then it gets kind of gross and it stacks up, and so people usually take it away. So what do you do? Have them eat less? Leave happier? Eat more? I mean, you got to run the numbers on that if you're running a restaurant. Was this a blunder or a ninja? So good for them. They're saving money, but am I happy? Am I coming back? The ninja part is they understand human psychology to slow it down. Smaller portions are going to save some money. But the blunder part, are they losing business? People aren't going to come back. They're upset that they have to wait between servings. You can decide on this blinja. Is it a blunder for the restaurant or is it a ninja for the restaurant? Now it's time for listener email. Oh boy. Remember, I can be reached at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's K-U-R-T. And if I read your email on the show, you get access to Influence University for free. That's where the advanced training and the real magic starts to happen. Whatever it's taking so long, it's your ability to persuade and influence. This is Anna in Panama. That's in South America for my international listeners. She says, I'm loving maximum influence in Spanish. I'm halfway through and I'm starting to master the laws of persuasion. Thank you for your research. 
Quick challenge I have. When I arrive at a gathering, no one seems to notice. No one seems to care. No one really talks to me. How do I get more presents? Great question, Anna. This is important for everybody. Now, first of all, that topic I talk about in Laws of Charisma. That's my third book, and that is also in Spanish. In fact, for my international listeners, the books are in 28 languages. Just put it out there if English is your second language. Let's address that. The persuasion, the passion, the presence. How do you get people to notice you? And I'm glad you're owning up to this because a lot of people think, well, it's other people's fault. They should talk to me. No. If you're not noticed when you enter a room, when you're on a stage, when you're trying to persuade, that would be your fault. You can blame as many people as you want, but you need to take ownership of this. So that is the first step. So 10 points for Anna for taking ownership and realizing they need to get more presence. In fact, presence is one of the four areas that you need to be more charismatic. And yes, you can become more charismatic. You can learn this skill. Don't think, oh, they were born charismatic. They were born persuasive. They were born with people skills. They were born nice. No, these things are all learned. You can improve every aspect of the things I will be talking about. So presence in general, what do you radiate when you enter a room? I mean, you've met the people where the people want to be around them. They want to be influenced by them. They want to talk to them. They want to be involved. That's presence. In fact, a fun fable. One day a turkey left the pack of friends and ventured into a large meadow where peacocks were known to live. He looked around and did not see any peacocks. As he roamed and explored searching for the peacocks, he found a few piles of those beautiful feathers. The turkey decided he wanted the prestige of the peacock. He took all the fallen peacock feathers, tied them to his tail feathers, and paraded around the meadow. When he saw the peacocks returning, he strutted towards them to see whether they could tell that he was a turkey. As he neared the peacocks, they discovered his bluff and began to peck at his head and pluck away his false feathers. The turkey ran back to the other turkeys, who had been watching from a distance. They, however, were even more upset with the display and began to chase him around and peck at his head. Now, what's the meaning of this? When you fake your presence, you falsify who you are. When you fake your passion or fake your confidence, no one is fooled. People will always judge you by your appearance, your presence, and demeanor. Are you trying to be something or something you are not? People can sense a fake presence. True congruent presence is power. Your presence is key to developing instant charisma. So don't try to fake it here. Don't try to mimic somebody else. I mean, you can benchmark other people, but it has to be part of you. It has to be genuine. But there are ways you can increase this. Now, the first one is confidence. When you're confident, when you have that conviction, it's very, very contagious. The way you walk into a room, the way you present yourself, walking in erect with full confidence, maybe doing a few power poses that we talked about on a previous podcast. And if you don't know about power poses, go to the archives at influenceuniversity.com. The next one I mentioned with the peacock story is your congruence. Are you congruent with your actions, with your message, with your voice, with your beliefs? Again, do your words match your actions? Does your message match your tone? Does your tonality match what you're trying to say? And here's what probably you haven't thought about is your optimism and your attitude. People don't want to be around someone that's going to suck the life out of your Aunt Edna that you sit next to her and you just feel her sucking the life out of you. And you didn't even talk to her. There are plenty of things that'll suck the life out of you. The news. Social media increases depression. Because we're always comparing our weaknesses to other people's strengths. 
our bad days to their good days. Optimism is huge. People want to feel good. They want to feel that optimism. They want to have hope for the future. And you need to be a person that provides that. And that's also your attitude. Attitude comes from your expectations. What you expect tends to happen. Most people are chameleons, you know, the lizard that turns colors, that absorbs the attitudes of others, or they wait till they're cut off on the way to work to decide what their attitude is going to be that day. You can decide what your attitude is going to be before things start to happen. Be optimistic, have hope in the future, and transfer that hope. And one we've talked about a few episodes ago is having that positive power. Also spent time on that on the YouTube channel, Maximize Your Influence, if you want to check that out. But that power, there are positive forms of power that increase your presence. I'm not talking about force. I'm not talking about coercive things. I'm not talking about authority power. Those exist. Those are real. I'm talking about positive forms of power that you have that you're not using that can really change and help your presence. And of course, your energy, your energy level when you walk in the room, the way you walk in the room, your pace. The rate of speech is all part of that. If you have no energy, they're going to have no energy. And that's part of having balance in your life. What we've talked about before on the show, that life alignment, that vibrant well-being. You have to have that energy. And sometimes there, I'm with you, fake it till you make it. If I'm on my fourth or fifth day of a five-day seminar, I've got to get up there. I've got to have that energy. i got to transfer that energy. I need to have that energy. Then another one is your happiness. The happier you are, that's part of your optimism, People want to be around you. That smile, which is very contagious, and having a sense of humor. And that comes from within. There's a powerful correlation between your presence, your charisma, your ability to persuade, and your humor. Getting people to laugh, getting them to smile. Even if they're smiling on the inside, that increases your presence. People want that laughter. They want to smile. Now, I've warned you before on this. With humor, either going to laugh with you or feel sorry for you. So make sure it's relevant. Make sure it's appropriate. Make sure it's not offensive. And make sure you've practiced it. It's not something you want to try on somebody for the first time that you're trying to persuade or influence. And understand, too, that you can borrow humor. The biggest one here, which I mentioned earlier, is your passion. When you're passionate about what you do, it transfers that energy to the other person. A great leadership expert, John Maxwell, said, A great leader's courage to fulfill his vision comes from passion, not position. So with passion, I'm not talking about hype. It's kind of a blind spot for people to where they think if they drink a lot of Red Bulls, a lot of coffee, and they bounce around and they scream and yell, people think they're passionate. That's hype. That has the opposite effect. I mean, you want to be enthusiastic. That could be good, but not the fake hype where you're trying to pretend that you're excited and really not. Interesting research I found out while doing research for Laws of Charisma that when two persuaders are compared, they have the same intelligence the same core competence, the same persuasion skills, but their income is a lot different. The biggest difference between high and low income is that passion. Another study found that the followers of a charismatic person, they're described with awe, inspiration, and empowerment. And we know enthusiasm and passion is very contagious. If they're bored, it's your fault. If they become passionate, that's you transferring that energy. And when you possess passion, you have a sense of mission, that drives you, stimulates your imagination, and motivates you to higher levels of achievement. That's part of being a product of the product. We've talked about this. So some key factors with to really understand is that when you are passionate about what you do, people are drawn to you. It's very contagious. And passion, more than anything else, recruits the hearts and minds of your audience. 
it's amazing in college courses and seminars, I'll have people just stand up for a minute or two, talk about things they're passionate about. And it's easy for them to transfer that energy to the audience. And I've seen some strange things. One was Michael Jackson songs, but they were so passionate we always wanted to listen to them. One was on frozen yogurt. Okay, but hey, where to go? The best flavors, the best toppings, the best time to go. And they were so passionate in the description and talking about it. We all wanted frozen yogurt. And passion just moves people a couple notches up. For example, I saw another one on scrapbooking. Not my thing, never do it, but she was so passionate. She even had some samples on why people do it and why she was so excited about it. Wow. Now, I'll still never scrapbook, but I get it now. I understand why people do it, and it moved me a couple notches towards scrapbooking. So a couple other pointers with your presence. We talked about the way you walk in the room and your confidence and in your presentations. Biggest factor there is, of course, the practice, because it sounded good in your head, but not when you delivered it. If you want to come across as passionate, you need to practice your presentation because the more you practice, it becomes part of you. Because if you never practiced it, what happens is your bandwidth is in the recall, which takes you away from your enthusiasm and your energy. So you want to come across as passionate, practice your presentation. And I've said this before, spending over 20 years teaching persuasive presentations and public speaking is it's just like a term paper. It's just like a white paper. If you had to write a white paper or term paper, you would edit it five, six, seven times to make sure it's right. But for some reason in speaking, people spend all their time on the PowerPoint and everything else and they never practice. You should spend half your time in preparation and half your time in practice, just like you would in a paper. Keeping your credibility is a way to maintain your passion. Being sincere in all your interactions. Again, being genuine and authentic. Always be interested in other people and the way you connect with them, your people skills, your rapport, and try to maintain that confidence level. I know sometimes you have to fake it, but if you can prepare and do your research and know your stuff and have a definite opinion about the area where you are the expert, that also helps with your passion. So I want to ask you this question and think about this. When you're presenting yourself, when you're talking to other people, are you singing the song? And really feeling it, or are you just singing the words? And that's especially true if it's a presentation you've given a hundred times. Are you just going through the motions? So think about it. Let me say it again. Are you just singing the words, or are you singing the song? Can they feel that passion, that energy? And I know it's hard to maintain that passion all the time, but when you're in that moment, and you're entering that room or giving that presentation, and you need that charisma, and you need to influence, you need to think about having that passion. And the other thing, too, that you're willing to listen, willing to adapt to others and persuade them how they want to persuade it, understanding metaprograms. Go back to the archives, episode 107, we talked about listening and metaprograms. You can take a look at that and listen to that. This is a power tool. Hopefully that answers your question. You can get more presence. It takes practice. But don't just practice when you need it. Practice it when you walk into a room or a family gathering at the mall or a store. Practice having that presence in situations where you don't need it will make a huge difference. So take something that I talked about today, ponder it, and apply it. And anything you try for the first time doesn't work perfectly. But if you just learn a tool a week, a little something, something, every week it'll make a huge difference in your toolbox of persuasion and influence. So master one of these skills, become more influential, increase your passion, improve your presence, and you will persuade with power.